Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, so this morning we're going to be talking about a topic that I've mentioned a few times, I've touched on a few times, spoke about a little bit, and I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to teach on it a little bit more in depth today. Now, I was going to only speak about all this on, in one Sunday, but I quickly realized that we got to break this up a little bit. But for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about this theme of the partnership of the generations. Partnership of the generations. This was a word that God spoke to me a few years ago here when we were getting ready for the 40 days of prayer and fasting. And I was just praying about what I was going to pray for that night, and I felt like this specific phrase came into my heart. Partnership of the generations. And it really did mean a lot to me when God spoke it at that time as the assistant pastor. But as you can imagine now standing here, it means even more because as I look out over our amazing congregation and I see the diversity that's here, not just in culture, but also in age, as I see who God has brought together in this building, I see more and more and more the significance of what this means to have a partnership across the generations. Now, it is awesome that we come together to worship. That's a great part of this partnership, but it cannot stop there. Because if we as a church are going to accomplish all that God has for us, which I believe is a lot, then we need to understand that we, each one of us, bring something to the table, that we are meant to partner together with those around us to see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the way that he set it up. And that starts with us having an expectation that when we come into this place, that there is something that God has put in my life and your life and every one of our lives that somebody else needs. We don't always have that expectation. We don't always think that way. But when we come together, God is bringing talents and abilities He's bringing experience and he's bringing energy and he's bringing all of these things that he has put together and he's calling us to bring them together in cohesion to be able to accomplish something greater together than we ever could on our own. But first we have to realize that he's given something to us. We have to realize that before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us. He set us apart and he called us. So that means that when we come together, we come together with an expectation of bringing something to the table. I was thinking back to a couple years ago when I worked in construction. And I remember I would show up at the construction site and I didn't just see one type of worker there. It wasn't just all electricians. It wasn't just all masons. It wasn't all the, 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 the workers who cleaned up and did all of those things. It wasn't just people who installed elevators. If they just installed elevators, but they didn't have the floors to go to, that would be kind of useless, right? Everybody coming together with their own skills and their own abilities, according to the blueprints and the plans that were set before them, were able to accomplish the purpose. And that's what we are called to do. We're called to come together and to partner with one another. I got one amen out of that. That was good. The other part of this is that we have to understand that God is a generational God. 
Now, I don't mean that God has generations within him. He's God all by himself. He's the beginning and the end. He's always been here. But he's the one who instituted the idea of generations. He's the one that put inheritance into place. He's the one that created us to be generational. And when he introduces himself in Exodus chapter 3 to Moses out of the burning bush, he introduces himself in a very specific way. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You see, when God introduces himself in a way, then there's significance to it. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other places, he just said, I am that I am. I am Jehovah. But he said, here, I am the God of the generations. That's significant for us to remember. And when he said that, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he was speaking about a lineage that he had put into place. And who knows that we, as believers in Jesus, are now a part of that lineage. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29 says, And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Just in case you didn't believe me, there it is. Psalm chapter 105, verse 8 says that he has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. It's a lot of generations. God is a generational God because he is the very one who instituted the concept of the generations. It was birthed in his heart. For me, as I stand here this morning, excuse me, stand here this morning, I do so with the joy and privilege of knowing that I was born into a lineage and I was born into a legacy. You see, I'm very grateful for the family that I was born into. And I'm just going to take a second to brag on my family here today. I was born into a Christian home where I saw my mom and my dad show me and exemplify what it is to walk in trust and obedience to God. We grew up learning what it was to pray and to believe and to walk in faith. I grew up with a grandmother who knew Jesus, who loved Jesus, who prayed and who ministered and spoke to people on a level that I've never seen anyone else do it. I'm very grateful. I think that's where the bragging should stop or else I'm not going to be able to get through this message. <laughs> I'm so grateful to have been birthed in the family that I was born into. And so for me, it's very easy to do what the first part of this is today. In order for us to partner together with the generations, the first thing that we have to do is we have to be willing to honor the past. We have to be willing to honor those who have gone before us. 
We have to be intentional about honoring those who, who have gone before us and have paved the way. And I know for some of us here today would say that I don't have people in my past to honor. I don't have parents to look up to. I, I didn't have this legacy or this example that, that you do today. And I understand that, but I have to say this. That number one, the family that you were born into is the family that God put you in. And secondly... We have no idea what God has done through the generations to get us where we are today. We don't know how many generations back there may have been somebody praying for the generations to come. We don't know the people that God impacted in our past that may have believed and took steps of faith that led us to sitting here in this room. We have the ability and the honor to honor the past and to honor those who have gone before us. We're going to look at a passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to look at the story of this young man named Timothy. We're going to see the generational aspect of what God did through him. We're going to see a spiritual lineage and a partnership that would emerge across multiple generations. And, and this really is the main passage that we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks. We're going to start here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 2, going 2 through 5. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard the deposit that has been entrusted to you. We're going to come back to this phrase. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I might be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. When we look at this passage, we see in the first verse that Paul has this spiritual connection with Timothy. Different generations, but Paul looks at Timothy and says, my beloved son, there's a spiritual connection that's made here. And then as we get to verse five, we see the earthly connection. We see that he was birthed into a family with his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And we see that there's a faith that dwells in him because of this. And both of these connections are significant. But what I want to do today is I want to focus in on verse 2. It says, To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from the God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord, guard the deposit entrusted to you. There is a deposit that has been placed within Timothy. There is something that God has done and has placed inside of him, but it doesn't say that it's something that Timothy has earned. It doesn't say that it's something that Timothy accomplished in his own ability. It says that it was something that was entrusted to him. See, we have to, to understand that when it comes to this verse and in our own lives, there are things that have been entrusted to us. And the first question is, where did it come from? Who's the one who entrusted it? Well, first of all, we know that it's God. 
Paul starts by saying grace and mercy and peace to you. God is the one who has invested this in you. But then he goes on to say that I'm, I, I really admire your faith. But he says it wasn't your faith first. It was the faith of your grandmother and it was the faith of your mother. He says there's something that has been entrusted to you, something that has been deposited to you, and I want you to guard it and I want you to protect it. I don't want you to carry it on as something that you did. I want you to know there is something that somebody else did to pave the way for you to walk in the anointing that you're walking in. For us to honor the past, we first have to recognize what has been deposited in us from those who have gone before us. To honor the past, we first have to recognize that somebody else did something along the way to create the opportunity for us to walk in the anointing that God has given us. A few weeks ago now, we spoke about the reality that God has a plan. We spoke about this house and this body, about how about 87 years ago, there was a group of women who came together and prayed and believed for what God was going to do in this church, even though they couldn't have possibly seen what the results of that would be. I am so thankful for those who have gone before us, and I'm so thankful even right now for the families in this church who have been here and who have invested in this church and have given of their time and their energy, who have invested so much to this church and to this school who have given so much of themselves that have made it possible for us to stand here today i'm grateful to pastor jones who served here for 22 years who had a vision to see us in this place i'm grateful for what god has done and it's very important that we would honor the past because God is doing something in this house and it's very exciting and it's very big because God is doing it. Not because we're doing it, but because he's doing it. We're expecting something big. But if we are going to build in this house, we have to do so knowing that the foundation that we are going to build on is due in large part to our ability to honor what God has done through men and women in the past. The good news here this morning is that honoring the past comes very natural to us very often, especially to young people. <laughs> Not so much. If this is an audio recording, let the record show that I am shaking my head no. <laughs> it's not something that comes so naturally to us. I've heard it said before that youth is wasted on the young. And the reason is because when we get a little bit older in life, we realize if I knew then what I knew now, if I had the energy and all of the strength that I did back then with my wisdom now, then I would have done things a lot differently. But I got to say, it doesn't have to be that way. If we would understand that the younger that we are, the more we have to learn, if we would understand this concept of honoring those who have gone before us instead of trying to think that we have all the answers, we would get a lot farther. If we knew that in honoring the past, we actually find the ability to protect the deposit that was placed inside of us, then we would understand that it is not done in our own strength 
and ability. God is a generational God. He deposits things inside of us. He has called men and women to go forward and to do amazing things. And we should be very aware of that. As I was preparing for this message, I thought back to my younger days when I thought that I had all the answers. I assure you that now at almost 36, I am no longer under this delusion. I know enough now to know that there are things that I don't know and I need other people. It's so important. But I was thinking back to, to this time when I was working with my dad 15 years ago now, maybe a little bit more. And, and I was going to brag on him a little bit more earlier, but a man who showed me what it is to walk in integrity and to work hard and to follow God and to pursue him. And I'm not going to say anymore because I don't want to cry anymore. I already did that today. But we used to work together. And so I'd be working in the back and, and I'd be working on this project. We worked on construction equipment and I'd, I'd always want to get it done myself. It was just who I am. I wanted to fix it myself. I wanted to just take care of all of it. And, and I'm going to do this and it's all going to be good. And by the time my dad walks back, it's going to be great. I did some stupid things along the way. I'll tell you more about it later, dad. But I remember I'd work on projects sometimes and things would be going really well and I'd get stuck. And inevitably my dad would walk back and much to my dismay and to my frustration, the thing that I was working on for like two hours, he'd fix in like two seconds. I'm like, what is going on here? But there was a wisdom. There was a, a wisdom and a discernment that came from having the experience. And the more that I learned that, the better off that I was. And I think I'm learning it more now than I did back then. But for us to honor the past and to honor those around us who have the wisdom and the experience that have gone before, who have fought battles, who have seen God come through in circumstances, to see his hand at work, to honor that and to partner together with that really does give us the foundation to build on what he wants to do in us. But there is a tendency in the culture today and I'm not suggesting that it's something new because I know that it's existed throughout the generations. But I think maybe it's a little bit more pronounced today than it has been in the past. In this era of postmodernism and metamodernism and deconstruction and tearing things down. In this day and age where we look at the past and we blame everybody who's come before and say, well, it's all their fault. They did it all wrong. We know better. We're going to fix it all. In this way of thinking that, that the world exists in right now, what tends to happen is we look back and we tend to say that they screwed it up. And the truth is, in some areas, some did. Some did screw it up. Some did make mistakes. Some did things that were not right and not correct. And we could acknowledge that. But the key word is some. It's not all. We can't paint with such broad brushstrokes to say that everyone who went before did it wrong and that it all deserves to be thrown away so that we can do something better now. We look at our nation and so many would look back and say, this nation is flawed beyond repair. I would hear those that would say that I am ashamed to be an American. I would hear those who would say that everything that we did, we say that it was based off of God, but it wasn't. It was based off of other things. Once again, not to say that we didn't have failures, but here's the thing. 
For us to say that we are ashamed of being Americans, for us to, to step into judgment like that, is foolishness and it's arrogance. The first reason is because God placed us here. Whatever nation that we're from, no matter what nation we're in, if God placed us there, then we need to stand for where God has placed us. Number two, there are very, very likely many sacrifices that had to take place for us to be in this nation that we're in right now. And to look back and to, to shame the past and to say, no, they screwed it all up. It's not right. It's judgment. There are many who gave everything to stand for and to fight for the rights of every man, woman, and child. There were those who stood up in the face of what was wrong and stood up and fought for what was right. It's important that we remember this and we understand this. And although it's been stated a lot of times, I'm going to say it again today, the very right that we have to disagree and to stand in opposition and to protest and to do these things is because these rights have been guaranteed to us as American citizens through those who have gone before us. Once again, not to say that it's been done perfectly. I've been heard it, hearing it said that the only way you're going to have a perfect church is to take out all the people and just leave God. I think the same stands for our nation. We still have people involved in these things. But we, the church, the ones who are trusting in God should be the ones who are leading the way in social justice issues, in reconciliation, in healing, in restoration, in what our nation needs. But we have to be willing to see that that's what God has called us to do. Church can no longer just be church on Sundays and Wednesdays. We have to know we have an identity and a purpose that we are called to influence this world. Do we have that expectation? Are we praying that way? Are we believing that way? Very often we look back at the church itself and we levy judgment against the church and those who have gone before us. Has this, the church had failures? Of course. Has religion especially made a mess of things throughout the centuries? Absolutely. But we can't lose sight of the men and women who have gone before us. Those like Billy Graham and Charles Finney and Charles Parham and Dwight Moody and William Seymour and so many more. The men and women who stood on biblical values and, and saw changes in John Adams and Harriet Tubman and Martin Luther King Jr., those who knew who God was and know what their purpose was and stood up and fought for what was right. We have to honor that past. And I've said this myself, and, and it's true, there has been an element of the church in past generations that looked at the rapture as being our ticket out of here. We just had to do what was right and then we were going to be swept away and the world was going to be left to fend for itself. And because of that, we lost a lot of the influence we were meant to have. But once again, that wasn't all. It might have been some. We need to honor those who have gone before us and have stood for what was right and believed and known what God was saying and leading us to do. We have to honor that. 
those in our own church history, those in the church at large. We have to be willing to do this because what happens is when we don't, when we step into judgment, what happens is we are opening ourselves up for the same failures in our own life. When we step into judgment, we are stepping into a place where we want to be in control, where we want to have the answers, where we want to be the ones that are going to make it all right and make it all better. It's the same thing as unforgiveness. I think Joyce Meyer said one time, it's like drinking poison and expecting it to hurt somebody else. Because we want to be in control. We want to, have the, we want to be the ones who have it right. And the easiest way for us to do that is to judge the past. We cannot allow ourselves to enter into the judgment of the past that prevents us from engaging in our calling in the present and the future. See, this is what it means when we talk about guarding the deposit. Don't step into the enemy's playing field, play by his rules by stepping into judgment and accusation, and then be surprised when you get attacked by the same things, or be surprised when you are dealing with the results of operating in the devil's playground. We are called to walk in grace and peace and mercy and love. We are called to walk in a place of discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit. And there's no place for judgment any longer. There's another part of this story which we can only touch on briefly here this morning, but something I want to speak about today is that we have to be willing to honor even when it's difficult. And I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction with this because I do feel like there is a lot that we take out of our family lineage. And at times, the biggest judgments that we have in our lives are because of the people who have come before us that we know. Because of the judgments that we've held, because of the things that have happened in our family bloodlines. The judgments that we have against other people. And, and so there's this passage in Acts chapter 16 where Paul meets Timothy. And it says, Timothy followed after Jesus, but it has the sentence that says, but his father was not a believer. His father was a Greek. And we're going to get into this a little bit more in the coming weeks, but there is this other part of this, this passage that says that Paul took him and he circumcised him. And what I believe that's really speaking to today is that there was a part of his flesh that was being cut off. A reliance on self, a reliance on the old that was being cut off. And I believe that what God wants us to do here today, during this time of communion, during this time of coming before him and recognizing and remembering what he has done, is to identify any of the places in our lives where we have walked and stepped into judgment. Any of the places that we have allowed unforgiveness to exist inside of us. And any of the places, especially when it comes to our own families, parents and grandparents, those who have been leaders in our lives that we've stepped into judgment for. I believe that God specifically wants to highlight those areas and to bring a freedom here this morning.